number. Hello! <laughs> we are live on the internet. Uh, and we just threw this entire studio together in about, what, 11 minutes? 11 minutes. From uh, one rucksack and a small case full of equipment. So if it yes. all works, then we are skilled professionals who are good at all. If it doesn't work, it's because we did it in a hurry. And, but if it doesn't, uh, nobody's are... seeing this, so it's fine. Yes. But we, are, <laughs> we are not even supposed to be in this room. No, this is guerrilla podcasting. Yeah. We, yeah. Not, not only do we do we not have a, a script or a plan, we don't even have permission to be here today. Don't say that out loud with any plausible deniability. For what it's worth, I saw one of the venue crew and they said, no, it's fine, use the empty rooms. You basically got the whole building. So, yes. Yeah. Apart from um, there is, there's something else on today, on which yeah. one of the lower floors makes the plausible de yeah, deniability even more plausible. <laughs> <laughs> There is also NBC London. It's actually, have you ever had the thing? It, it, it always amazes me. So we're live from the QE2 Centre in Westminster in London, where NBC London is in town this week, and we have all been teaching and speaking, and we are going to be performing at the party tonight and doing songs and popcorn comedy stuff tomorrow. And, uh, and for some reason, I blame him, we decided that the logical way to approach this momentous number of things we are doing in three days was to do a live also, podcast stream recording yeah. as well. Yeah. Picture yeah. who's written any of the popcorn talk yet? I've got a joke. I've made oh, a joke. I've got a couple of jokes. That's more than I have. I have one slide. Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. write talks. I just give them. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did let Dolly... Um, generate an image of Todd Garner as a Bond villain. And it asked me, like, I don't know what Todd Garner looks like. So I gave them three clues being bald beards slightly overweight. And what came out was uncanny Todd Garner. It's like, <laughs> yeah. holy crap. <laughs> Whereas I was trying to get any <clears throat> of them, what I wanted was something where I could put in a photograph of Candice have something turn it into a police sketch <laughs> and i could not find a way to do that and i'm like well i'm not doing a bandit because it's not that good of a joke uh, but, folks yeah. watching on the internet find hannah slowetta and uh, we want you to do like a police like a what like an identity mugshot it's kind of like made of strips or what just one of the things where somebody's kind of described hannah's probably badly and somebody's made their best attempt to it's tristan him. hey tristan hey. Hey, we've got your. Is that part Preston? Yeah. Hi, Preston. That's, that's my beloved. That's my We have beloved. your spouse. Send 50,000 yeah. in unmarked coins. <laughs> or you'll never see them alive again. <laughs> or, or one of the guitars that was auctioned yesterday. All oh, my God. Oh, yeah. So, yesterday we were in this room uh, rehearsing because we've got uh, quite a few new newish songs. One completely new song, which went really well, surprisingly. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, so yes, and you've got every line breaker in here, just one hundred percent focus. We're doing that song. It's in this key. We're going to do this, and then so for me, yeah, sat yeah. over in a corner, just watching an auction where I think he'd set himself an upper limit of twenty-two thousand. Well, it, it went a little bit differently. I had to get approved by Christie's to bid in the auction. That's right. So and I had context, to, folks, um, Mark lead guitar singer, you know, multi-Grammy award-winning person, um, has just auctioned off a collection of his guitars, many uh, of which were kind of just obscure, like he played a concert in Russia and they gave him a balalaika as a present, but some of them are iconic. 
like you know the guitar on the cover of the Brothers in Arms album and that kind of thing. Um, and Hannah's tried to buy one and <laughs> lost. Yeah, I, I did. You, you set your budget at twenty-two thousand, and the guitar you were looking at for four hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah. So I had to get pre-approved by Christie's, and it's like getting a mortgage use, agreement. In yeah, they, you know, they ask for a utilities bill that has your name on it and the address that you claim that you live at. They ask for your passport, and then you have to have a phone call with them, and then they pre-approve you for a certain amount. Yeah, and apparently, the default amount, without sending them any financials. Is seventy thousand pounds. It's like we can pre-approve you to bid on that. Will that be enough? Are you that planning to hire? That will yeah. get you a house in certain bits of the country. But so, yes. so I said like, yeah, no, that's fine, that's fine. And then I made a bid, thinking like, okay, this is great because this guitar was by Christie's, like estimated to go for six to eight pounds. So the guide prices in this auction were kind of like yeah. going. That's actually a pretty good price. Comical. Like yeah, one not one, but two orders of magnitude. In right. retrospect, they were all like just way off by yeah. like, yeah, it was like they had a, a the balalaika in there. The guide price was three hundred pounds, which a lot of people are thinking get a balalaika that was owned by Mark Knopfler from Dire Straits for three hundred quid. Yeah. And yes. what did it go for? Sixteen thousand. Yeah, something like yeah. The problem so, is that sixteen thousand doesn't even include the auction cost, which is another twenty six percent on top of what you yeah. bid. Yeah. And then on top of that, you're going to pay VAT wherever you import the thing. Yes. And so unless you buy it as a business expense in Portugal. Yeah. But no, because I, so I think my theory. I know the camera because it's bothering me. My theory as to what happened here is that Mark not has imposter syndrome. And so he's got his collection of guitars and there's somebody from Christie's there with him. <laughs> hey! How are we looking? Uh, good. Yeah, that's good. Brilliant. Yes. Um, and yeah, there's somebody from Christie's and they're going, so what do you think the guitar that you recorded uh, Money for Nothing on in the studio is to fetch? And Mark Knopfler's like, oh, well, you know, I'm only Mark Knopfler and we were only done <laughs> maybe six, maybe thousand pounds. And then, yeah, you know, then the rest of the world's just out there going, I can't play guitar because <laughs> I am very wealthy. He did always give this. So I'm a huge Dire Straits fan and like have been my entire life. And when you watch that concert video in the 80s, he does always give this impression of like, that's been a horrible mistake. I'm not supposed to be here. Yeah. There's a lovely quote. Someone interviewed him and said, you know, um, what are you what do you think about uh fame and fortune? I think was the expression. And he said they're very different things. Fortune is wonderful because it means I don't need to worry about money and I can buy motorcycles and vintage guitars, and fame has no upside. Fame just means people hassle you in the street. Yes. And so, you know, Gregory Porter? No. Gregory Porter, he's a singer, mm -hmm. um, sort of blues, soul, that sort of thing. Uh, and whenever he's doing like a live gig or he's on a chat show or anything like that, he wears basically a balaclava because underneath the balaclava, he's got a big beard and, and all that sort of thing. But he wears the balaclava. I'm just imagining hat. what the balaclava must smell like by now. I think it's probably not multiple balaclava. <laughs> <laughs> sort of, yeah. Um, but say, why do you wear the the balaclava and the hat when you're thinking? And he says, because then when I'm out and I'm just living my life, I take them off mm. and nobody knows who I am. That's mm. exactly what right? Yeah, you know, and it's kind of like so because you see, I was walking down Oxford Street one time. 
um, while Friends was still in the middle of being on television, and I passed uh, David Schwimmer. And he is very, very hard to miss. He's extremely tall. And, and he was wearing, and people were just walking past him going, there's Ross from Friends in a baseball cap. And so, yes, there is, there is literally no upside to, mm. to being famous. I, I, you know, the sort of classic being able to get restaurant tables. If you're the kind of person who really cares about getting restaurant tables, then maybe, but... But being rich will get you restaurant tables. Mm. And you can be rich without people knowing what you look like. I mean, I have no idea what Warren Buffett looks like, but I yeah. bet you can get a table for the Ivy. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but you know who he is. Yes, yeah. that's true. Um, but yeah. Uh, sorry, the other thing about Knopfler that I remembered is uh, years and years ago, French and Saunders used to have a sketch show. Um, so uh, Jennifer Saunders from Absolutely Fabulous and various other things, French from the Vicar of Dibley, and you know, uh, but they had a sketch show. And there was a musical act, which was Roland Rom and another guy whose name I can't remember. And they were like wearing string vests and just extremely and old and unattractive two guys uh, with a guitar. And they <laughs> and they would just do occasional musical numbers. But then there was this one episode where half of the episode was a sketch where the guitarist was suing the publishers of a thousand and one easy guitar tunes for beginners because he'd bought it and it didn't have the little pictures that show you where to put your fingers. And so they were calling with some oh, of amazing. the most famous guitarists it's, in the, so the world. The, the clip is on YouTube. The clip is on YouTube. And Mark Knopfler. Riff from Sultans of Swing, or whatever it was, and he's just coming, and they went, and now with the book, and it's like, no, I can't do it without the little pictures. And I was just like, that's not Knopfler. David Gilmore from Pink Floyd, uh, Eric Clapton, Eric Clapton uh, Mark King from Level 42, yeah. Lemmy from Motorhead. Yes. Just this astonishing, and there's a really kind of interesting footnote to all of this, which is the perennial argument that happens in guitar magazines mm -hmm. and internet chats about do you need to own, if you want to sound like Kirk Hammett, should you go and buy the Kirk Hammett signature Gibson, whatever. Yes. Um, and I think it was Gilmore didn't take a guitar to the shoot. <laughs> he borrowed <laughs> Mark Knopfler's Stratocaster and yeah. amplifier to play another brick in the wall. Yeah. David Gilmore, because the equipment really doesn't matter that yeah, much. That's it. Um, so apologies to all the people out there who sell guitar pedals and replica amps and signature yes. editions. Um, and to whoever bought the Mark Knopfler MK1 for £400,000 yesterday, it will not make you sound like him, but please play yeah. it anyway, because it would be really sad if it ended up in a bank vault. Or just on a wall. Or on a wall, yeah. unless it was my wall. <laughs> See, one of the things that's... There's a... But you would take it off the wall if you would get it, right? Maybe yeah. not every day, but you would still. At least, at least a couple of times a year. Yeah, it's like, 
there's, there's a debate going on in the base community at the moment, which I am now. Welcome to the base community. Yes, Mark. welcome to the base. Um, does the wood that the base is made from affect the tone? Not, well, as, well, not as much as literally anything else. Yeah, it's kind of like <laughs> no, the the what how the strings are made and what metal they're made of that affects the tone. Pickups affect the tone. The height uh, of the pickups and where they're located. Yeah, the, the the action you've got the uh, you can have a high mass bridge which will improve your sustain, but whether the actual wood, if you've got a Stradivarius, there is something about the wood in a Stradivarius that makes it sound. But that's like an acoustic instrument. But that's an acoustic yes. instrument, and so and, and an acoustic guitar. Um, then yes, there is a possibility because you are resonating the wood. But I'm pretty sure when you're playing an electric solid body stringed instrument. Did you not see that video series during COVID of this guy who explores exactly this theory? He gets to the minimal viable guitar and it's just the strings and the pickup. So what he did is... Stressed over a bench. Exactly. He started with a Telecaster and it was a nice Telecaster. But he measured the pickup position, pickup height, plugged it into an amp, like, and, and made a sound. And, yeah. And, like, yeah. And then replaced the body with a cheaper body, and then replaced the body basically with a piece of two by four. <laughs> yeah. And then basically removed the, the guitar altogether, like like strung up Minimal two pieces, like a bridge and 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 uh, so yeah. We should do and a yeah. We should just 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 the strings. Yeah. Yeah. No instruments, no amps, nothing. Just well, we bring, we bring the strings. I'll be right there with you. Yeah. There so, was a guy uh, when I was doing stand-up back in the day, uh, who um, he was Dutch and I can't remember his name, but basically he had a squash racket mm. uh, with, with pickups <laughs> and, and strings and stuff, and he could make this thing make amazing noises. I mean, it was like. You know, I could not make a guitar sound like he made that squash rock example. There are two uh, examples. So um, Steve Hogarth from Marillion um, hired a company to build him a MIDI cricket bat. So <laughs> it, is, it is literally a cricket bat that has like, a, so I think it's just like a percussion sensor and a MIDI. But, so he could play the cricket bat on stage because he wanted to, because he was like, when I was a kid, this is what he did, uh, which is kind of like a comedy stunt. But then there's a, there's a French prog rock band called Lazuli. And uh, the, the the two two brothers, the band was founded by these two brothers, uh, Dominic and Claude Leon, Leonetti, something like that. And one of them injured his hand in a motorcycle accident and couldn't use his right hand anymore. And so he built an instrument called La Liode, which is a sort of like a the fingerboard of a cello, but it doesn't have any strings. And so he plays this thing over his shoulder and he's got his right arm in a sling with just enough movement to activate a pressure sensor. And he, he does all the, and it's astonishing to watch. Like they're a fantastic band to see live. They're really, really good fun. Um, but yeah, he's got this unique instrument that he built because he'd injured his hand. He couldn't play the guitar anymore, but he didn't want to stop, stop music. If we ever do EMF camp, we should do novelty guitars that are like squash trackers or something. Okay. Yeah. I did bring a theremin. There was there was like a whole cigar box guitar scene oh, where, yeah. where they just take yeah. like a wooden wooden box, string it up with three strings, and, a, and when and I worked a, in the music shop, we had one of those well, next to the banjo lady, which is God's own instrument. I love it. No, it's not a way instrument. Yeah, to be yes. really really cool. But the ukulele is like your first taste. It's free. Try it. And then the next thing you know, you're a full-fledged banjo player. Yeah. 
And yeah. we have Steve Martin and we have Billy Connolly and that is enough. <laughs> it does not need more banjo. So, and the two guys. I just, I just YouTube, YouTube banjo community, please don't at me. So. See, it hasn't, I haven't had the banjo community thrown at me yet. I assume it's there. I've had, because you start watching stuff about bass and it goes, well, you've probably got this guitar stuff. And, you know, if you're way remotely interested in music, then you have to check out this El Vestapario guy from Brothers because he's insane. It's like a tour. <laughs> John Connery has come back to, like, make Lars Ulrich redundant. Um, but, uh, it hasn't yet. Uh, it, and it throws some weird stuff out yet. Maybe banjo. I think the, the, the overlap, I know a couple of, like, actually I know a couple of very good banjo players. Um, there's a lot of folk and American music sessions around the bit of London where I live. I don't get the overlap between the banjo people and the YouTube people. Um, <laughs> no. no. It's a, I, I think that's the demographic, generational thing. I think the ukulele, you get a lot of people like ukulele orchestras and stuff. Um, we sold a the, lot of ukuleles music yeah. shop when I worked in. Yes. Including one to me, which I have and still don't play very much. We've got two kicking around the house. One I, of them is the Mickey Mouse one. I do not own a ukulele. This is fine. I am comfortable. That's your birthday gift. But on the other hand, <laughs> although you can get a SpongeBob SquarePants flying V ukulele. Yes. But yeah. Um, on the other hand, what is the total number of strings on all of the instruments that you own? Do you count? Well, I guess I was, I was going to go. Do you count each hair on the bow of a violin? But no, 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 that's no, not no, no, no. strange. So we're going to. I, I had a, a, a fun fact about Stradivarius. Um, so there is a, a weird quirk of English legal terminology. If you build a forged Stradivarius so that you can sell it, legally the bit of paper is a false instrument, but the violin is not. <laughs> <laughs> which i quite like because <laughs> they keep trying to work out what it is about stradivarius is has been debunked it's uh and the, was it something about the climate while the trees were growing that the wood came from and so forth is it and the so nicest this, violin's got but the best preservation it, see this survivorship at the same violin. time somebody else went and did a much simpler study which was can like the world's best violinists and audio files mm. tell the difference in a blind test <laughs> between a Stradivarius and a $100 violin. $100, yes. yes. $100, but yes. There comes a point at around a thousand, sort of, yeah, when, yeah, once you get into thousands. Like quality where, built like, recent yes. violins. Like they I couldn't. can tell the difference between a hundred pound and a three thousand pound. Exactly, yes. But, yeah. Um, and it's like people, you know, doing kind of wine tasting and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And it's that diminishing returns thing. Yeah. Once you get to this certain point. But if you play a Stradivarius, someone will go, oh, yes, that's that unmistakable Stradivarius sound. Yeah. yeah. But you, they can't quantify it. And I think there's an element, you know, like you get, uh, I'm going to start selling audiophile Ethernet cables. <laughs> <laughs> Because you know you, you see them selling yeah. audiophile Ethernet cables and, and fiber optic cables, gold plated HDMI for for thousands and thousands of yeah. pounds per meter, and you're just like, well, a that's immoral, but b you're making a living doing that, and there are people out there who are willing to spend that kind of money on cables, then 
how do I get into this business? Because like teach money. me your way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. lights on something and, and give it a black and red finish and it's the market for gamers. Yes. So it's the exact same shit. Yeah. I do. I think we were talking about this on the, the show the other week. But I love the fact that any piece of technology, particularly, you know, keyboards, headphones, whatever, um, the same product will be sold in two different ways. There will be the one for people working in call centers and offices, which will be called something like the FX307B. And then the same product for gamers will be the Thunder Skull Crusher 10,000 Razertronic. Yes. And it's the same headset with the little thing. But, but one of them, they're like, this is for people with jobs and this is for teenage boys. Yeah. And it's like, where's the, where's the middle ground? What's the, like, there was a house I was in recently and we went to a house which is, uh, is that selling it? And we went to the bedroom that is the teenage son bedroom and the classic gamer set up with the red and black chair and the RGB keyboard or whatever. And I was like, and she's like, oh yeah, this is my teenage son room. And I was like, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but I own so many things with RGB because you can't buy them without. Um, when I, I, I built my new computer during the first pandemic lockdown, I switched it on. I was like, what? It's came with free rainbows and unicorns. It's got RGB in it, LEDs, lights up. But I'm like, I didn't even realize that was a thing. You are a gamer, though. So um, it is and, well, completely correct. I, what, what is the definition of a gamer? Well, it depends. I like Animal Crossing and Pokemon, and there are lots of people on the internet who tell me I'm not a real gamer. Uh, it's, yes. A gamer is somebody who gets angry because GTA 6 is coming out later this year and they've just worked out that it's a leap year and that's a whole extra day they have to wait no i'm not a gamer <laughs> so you're not a gamer no i'm not a gamer uh, no ga gamers are the people who send death threats to people who work for game companies uh it's not a good thing to be a game be a person who plays games enjoys games uh that can be your primary hobby just don't identify as a gamer because they are a bunch of toxic gifts and if you ever need to know what a gamer sounds like just join any multiplayer game which has got the microphone switch <laughs> and, and they will tell you what they are going to do to your mum. On that note. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like we, a base community to me. No, that, that's something. Because yeah. we were doing a lot of rock and roll and quite a, a lot of tech and bugs. Um, I was in uh, Whitney's, David Whitney's yes. talk when you messaged me and reminded me we were doing this. Um, I thought you might have source exploitation. Yes. And it was very interesting. Um, and he's making a lot of very good points. Mm. And I thought, yeah, I sh we should talk about that on the podcast. He's uh, a very smart man, though. We should get him on to talk. He, well, yes, we yes. should actually at some point get him on to talk. I think the, the guest thing. I mean, I've seen, I've seen an earlier version of, of David's talk, and it's online. You can see it. Go and look that up if you want to. And it's basically, you know, it's his perspective, which I think is a very a good and interesting perspective on the problem of, in a nutshell, companies that make a trillion dollars using software that was given away for free, while the people who create that software cannot buy a living out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and not only that, but they are on the hook for support, they get aggression, they get harassment, they get all kinds of toxicity um for giving something away for free and it, to me it's a really interesting conversation because i think the um the fundamental problem we have to address here is the way when somebody is just getting started out getting ten thousand downloads on npm or nuget is dopamine it's whack the monkey brain yay you did a good thing you're amazing everybody loves you and how do you go from that to persuading people you should not do that 
That is not mm. how you, if you get started with that, you are never going to be able to roll back because once you've given it away for free, any attempt to turn it into something you can monetize, you know, I can, uh, so when, um, what was it? Open ID became Duende. Um, yeah, identity no, identity 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 server. Server. Um, yeah. they got yeah. so much backlash for saying it is no longer sustainable for us to make this a free product. If you are making a million dollars a year, you're going to have And of course, all the armchair warriors who are not making a million dollars a year just release this tidal wave of, of unpleasantness. They come out to um, cake for the companies that are. It's bizarre. Yeah. Um, and you're like, why, why are you getting so angry about something that doesn't affect you but the only people who benefit from it are trillion-dollar multinationals who yeah. aren't sharing any of that money with you anyway. And who do not care um, about you. It's turkeys voting for Christmas. Yeah. Um, but uh, I know. But it's every time. So, uh, I mean, the, the mock thing that just happened. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I don't agree with how he did what he did. It was um, clumsy. It was clumsy and, yeah. Uh, but he was trying to come up with a solution not just for himself something that he kind of presents yeah. and go here is a pattern and some libraries to help you monetize your new get packages mm. and yeah you just get destroyed mm -hmm. and something and... I, I always find if you work in the node.js ecosystem um often when you install a tool or you install a package you get this little message uh, pops yeah. up at the end saying 17 packages are looking for funding yes mm -hmm. and you know to me that's the equivalent you know imagine that you uh you went to a store and you were acquiring some tools to do a piece of home renovation or something. And as you acquired them, the person selling the tools went, by the way, can you spare any change? We're really hungry. And then you're like, yeah, but then the tools don't cost anything. It's this really weird sort of, you know, is, the, is that the model we've ended up with? And unfortunately yeah. the answer is yes. And you know, the other thing you see uh, in NPM is uh, begging for work. You know, mm -hmm. if I wrote this package, I'm very good at Node.js and whatever, uh, hire me to do some work. And it's kind of like, so have this thing for free, mm. which I've worked very hard on. Uh, don't pay me for it, but I'll come and paint your house for a fiver or something. And it's just, and the thing is, the people we're defending here, Redis had a similar thing a few years ago where they were trying to do split licensing. And what they were essentially trying to do was get some of the monthly revenue from Microsoft and Amazon that those companies are making from Azure Cash for Redis and what do Amazon call it? Elastic Cash? Yeah. Uh, because they're basically they're downloading Redis, they're it's writing run scripts for it, run books, and then hooking it up to their portal, and then you can go provision a cache and it goes here is Redis. And they were, they're not giving any of that money yeah. to the people who actually write the software. And what I think and is... Th this is the thing where people who are actually in charge of these things and, and pretty much everyone in C-suite and above are sociopaths. Because if I was doing that, I mean, literally in the meeting, we should provide Redis as a service and we should charge this much mm. for it. And I would have been in that meeting going, and yeah, we could take like a penny on the dollar and give that to the, the Redis project as a kind of... We should add to at this point the development. Mark has been thrown out of meetings before because the people who wanted to make profit didn't like him talking. 
in the meeting. That is actually <laughs> that But was, it's a yes. hard discussion to have. I was with a customer once where one of the developers brought this up. Like we're using all these open source packages and there are ways that at least for some of them, we could like donate money. And since we're making money off this project, I think we should do this. And the meeting eventually ended with one of the C-level executives asking, like, do we have to pay for it? Will it stop working or will it get better for us if we do pay? Is it ethical at that point to lie and say yes? I would say, I, would say, I think that's still ethical. Yeah. yeah. But, but like it, it ends like, so you're saying if we donate, nothing changes? Yeah, we're not doing that. Yeah. That is and, and, and I think that is kind of the way these discussions very often go. I mean, I think that part of the problem, and this is another thing that David has touched on in his talks, is it is, if you want to get $500 a month out of a multinational by them making a charitable donation, you are screwed. That is never going to happen. No. Because there are too many people who, not even if you get it to happen once, the next month it'll come up on a balance sheet and somebody will stop yeah. it. But if you stick another $500 on their Google Cloud bill, they're not even going to notice that it's there. No. Yeah. Because that is literally a fire hose of money that they stopped counting a long time ago. Yeah. And you know, any strategy, I think the, you know, the approach to me, which is interesting, would be um, stop shipping binaries. If you are building open source software, put the source the on GitHub and anyone who wants to build your source can build it and they can pay for the cycles and the runtime and the storage and everything. Um, if they want right-click install, that should be on a service that is coupled into the billing mechanisms that already mm -hmm. exist on GitHub and Azure and AWS. Yeah. And, you know, it's... So you pay for convenience. Yes, there is a certain yeah. amount of trade-off here. But, uh, you know, I, I was running out That's of... like Netflix, right? Paying for convenience. Yeah. It's like restaurants. Yeah. So yeah. you can go to the supermarket, you can buy the ingredients, yes, and you can take them home and cook them. Yeah. Or you can go to a restaurant and have somebody very skilled yes. prepare it for you. Yeah, that was the business. And sometimes there's a web restaurant that prepares it in a way that I never could. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I mean the business model of the company I worked for two jobs ago was you can if you're willing to put in the elbow grease, you can do everything that the higher tiers can do. Yes. If you want it in a nice box with good developer experience and it's just painless mm. then you can give us some money about it yeah i did actually uh i was on a contract one time and i refused to do a piece of work because i thought it was unethical uh because what they were trying to do was bypass the this is where you have to start paying mm. uh it was influx mm. DB. influx db is open source but the open source version doesn't do sharding and yeah. so they tried to get me to implement sharding um, across multiple InfluxDB yeah. instances that didn't know about each other to save them. And it is, it's like $5,000 a year or something yeah. that it, for the for the actual licensed version. How much time would it have cost you to build the sharding? Oh, it would have cost me. It, so it would have cost them a lot more to pay me to build that exactly. thing. Exactly. But, exactly. but at the time, They've changed this now. You the UK government contract, has changed yeah. whether contractors count as CapEx or OpEx. Mm -hmm. um, but because I was building software for them, that software then goes onto their balance sheet as an yeah. asset. Ah. Yeah. 
And so then they get to claim that back against their tax and they get to charge up, charge it, get R&D tax credits and all this sort of thing. Yeah. Whereas if they're just paying $10,000 for influx data, that's it, that money's gone. And you, yeah, you can't do the but same they will thing. Like thousand. Yeah. yeah, but over time. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, and I was just kind of like, no, just pay them. Yeah. Um, and I don't think they did. I think they got somebody else to do it, and we parted ways shortly. To do it to worse than you could have done. Yeah, I mean, you can always save $5,000 in licensing by spending 50000 to build a half-assed implementation of the thing you should have bought <laughs> that the only person who understood it has now left. Yes. That is yes. corporate IT investment in a nutshell. Yeah, who has uh, lived through a story like that? Thing? Like, <laughs> who has made nice money building the thing? Oh, reinventing wheels for fun and profit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like yeah. do you want to do it? It's like, it's really going to be cheaper if yeah. you buy it. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, then we have to go through procurement. So can you just like get on it and build it? And it's like, and that, that actually comes quite nicely back around to what we were talking about with the old open source thing, which is, you know, we, IT is the only job I can think of where people, do their job for free in their spare time. And, you know, there are certainly people out there who by day they build finance software in a bank because of the paycheck and then at the weekends they build games and emulators and stuff. But there's a lot of people who they build like web frameworks for money and then also as a hobby. And yeah. so the boundary between recreation and paid work and, you know, charity and social, uh, you know, enterprise stuff, it just becomes really blurred. Same job two jobs ago, the product was two guys who built it together in their PhD, it was their passion project, they turned it into business, and they could not differentiate between business, how to, how to. Yeah. I'm not going to name the company because I'm speaking publicly on the internet, but. Fair enough. To me, like, like when I was in college, like, Yeah. So somebody asked me at that time, like, do you want to come and set up my newly purchased Wi-Fi stuff? It's like, cool, I'll jump at that opportunity. Because I would learn me to like come and look at my Wi-Fi today. It's like, dude, these things are everywhere. Yes. And I don't want to put moment according to the screen we have three live viewers and one bar of wi-fi signal yeah uh, uh, tristan messaged me and said the connection is a bit bumpy but hey, yes. people can watch back afterwards it's fine yeah that's cool can they yeah after after the stream and it goes on to youtube it's just a youtube upload yes yes okay but if it's bumpy it's nothing bumpy. is recording locally here this is Streamyard. it's running in the cloud oh maybe we're fine it's all in the cloud yeah it's fine yeah it's fun to yeah yeah. Spend an hour doing something and then go, ah, I know that worked. <laughs> oh, 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 another message. <laughs> hi, from, says, hi Brazil. from Brazil. Oh, cool, all right, Nashville. we're getting to Brazil. Woo. Hello, Brazil. Hello, Brazil. How's it's, it all How's it all going down there? It's stupid o'clock in the morning there, isn't it? Uh, oh, no, it's not, no, it's not, not anymore. anymore. No, we're yeah. well into the afternoon. We are well into the afternoon. I just haven't been up that long. <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling. Um, but no, we, the whole kind of open source entitlement, and it is, it is a lot of fun building things that shouldn't be built. Um, I many times in my career have, you know, had the very difficult thing of, I want to build this. I will have way more fun building my own than I will integrating with this platform as a service or whatever. Um, 
And if I can, I can probably persuade people to let me do it because they're paying me anyway. So it doesn't look like it costing them anything, but it's the wrong call. Mm. And you're like, no, 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 no. But you know, I've seen the other thing. I've seen not invented here syndrome. Yeah. To, yeah. No, we have to build everything ourselves. I'm like, really? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes. I remember sort of building a, a naive implementation of Redis. <laughs> All right. It was a dictionary of string. <laughs> dictionary of byte array, byte array. That was it. Um, but no, uh, I would not. Uh, I wouldn't start an open source project with the "I hope a lot of people use this" yeah. in mind. I would be. I would scratch an itch. And make it open source because I have no intention to profit on it, and somebody yeah. else might find it useful. And if somebody else um, comes after you, after you go like goes yeah. to your kneecaps, it's like, why aren't you maintaining this? It's like fork it. Uh, yeah, I, because I don't care. Go away. Yeah. Uh, but if if you are thinking of creating an open source product that you want to spin into a profit stream or a living in the long, build it in from the start. Yeah. Um, and there are companies that do this. There are companies that do this successfully, uh, where they they have the thing as as open source. Um, I mean, like Grafana has you can download Grafana and you can run it, and it's a Docker container and, yeah. and all these sorts of things. But they have Grafana Cloud, and they will run it for you, yeah. and they're very good at running it, uh, and they have a reasonable free tier and all this sort of thing. Um, but before you before you add the MIT license to your GitHub mm. repo, you need to have thought through what that's going to look like, how you're going to do it, and you need to be upfront about it from the start. So that, because I think where most of the conflict comes from is you said this was free, we thought that meant free forever, and now you're pulling the rug out from under us. Yeah. Uh, like free as beer versus free as speech. And you know, the, yeah. the, the stupid thing about that is the people who are saying you're pulling the rug out, it's like, no, you're not. The source code that you have, the version you're running, is still, is still free. It's still yours. You can take it, you can fork it, you can build it, you can adapt it to do whatever you need it to do. The way, um, I mean, didn't Facebook take PHP and turn it into hack? Because they yes. were so invested in PHP as a language, they couldn't rewrite their platform. But and they, they didn't buy PHP, but they eventually went, we're going to bring this in-house and we're going to evolve it in a direction that makes sense and for the, our business. Uh, the hip-hop runtime. Yes. Which took PHP and I think compiled it to the hip-hop. Hip-hop. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, it's... And you know, that, that's the people like, ah, oh, it's like, it's still free. The thing you're using is still free forever. Like, what are you doing right now? You can keep doing that. Yes. It's just now you are going to need to accept some responsibility for the free lunch you've been eating for the last five years. Yeah. You're going to need to either accept you get no more upgrades or you're going to need to hire engineers who will do it for you. Oh, you will not get a better lunch tier. Yeah. Right? Yes. <laughs> you're going to be stuck on the same lunch tier. Yeah. But the new lunch tier that, we're just, that we've just launched, mm -hmm. like, that has, like, Although Maybe desserts. <laughs> like we're, we're, we're adding desserts to lunch. Yeah. If you want to be in the in the in the tier that has desserts, yeah. you're gonna to have to pay for your lunch. Mm. That's basically what's happening. And it's like, no, we want the dessert, but we're not paying, right? 
I so was, uh, I'm going to release a class library which has got economy classes and business classes. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, so Daniel says on the comments, where I work, we have some prohibited licenses. Any license that uh, disallows us from completely closing the source of our products is a no-go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why people don't use the GPL. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. Companies won't use anything with the GPL license or a GPL or a couple of the others in that area. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the people. This is this is where it kind of goes. The people who are creating and publishing and maintaining the open source projects won't use the GPL license because it will stop people from adopting their code. Mm. And you kind of. All right. Here's an idea. Dual license it, GPL, and uh, your own made-up license, which is it's still open source. You can still have the source code. You can always have the source code, but if you're using it under this license, please put a pound in the collection pot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then you know you're you're offering them more options. Exactly, and that gets us into it is almost impossible to get a pound from somebody on the open internet. You can do it yeah. on the app store. But if you're on the internet, by the time you're taking a pound, you might as well take 10,000. Yeah. And on the other hand, as soon as you like scare their legal team because they're not compliant to a license that you made up, then it becomes easy to get like 100K out of them. Yeah. Like, so, uh, so, well, not easy, but like it's possible to get like lots of money. Yeah. But like the small stuff is, is, is virtually impossible. So, talking about GPL reminded me of something that I saw in the news this week about the um, the open source router. Do you see the, the progress on this? Oh, yes. The so, thing that's based off the Linksys. Yeah. So D -D was it the DDWLT? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what, 12, 15 years ago? Yeah. Linksys brought out a Wi-Fi router that they had used GPL code to run on it, and they got discovered. And uh, somebody filed a lawsuit, and they were forced to release all of their firmware under the GPL, because that's the condition license, yeah. which meant we got this open router firmware, mm -hmm. which then became a kind of springboard for a whole bunch of people writing custom firmware to run on various network appliances. And uh, I read, I think this was on the register in the last week, um, there is going to be an open source hardware implementation. Ah. So somebody is actually, they're publishing the schematics and the circuit board designs and saying, you know, there is under no... The uh, I don't think you can publish hardware under the GPL, okay. but I am not a lawyer or a licensing expert. Um, and but it's a, yeah, yeah. probably do some sort of creative um, or something. And you know, it is it is that uh, that literal. If you want to print these things yourselves, uh, so Daniel says several problems with the Mastodon front end recently. Um, oh. I'll have to read up on that yeah, because I don't know what that, that is. That um, yeah, that'll be on next week's show. Um, but yeah, so and it's this. Here are the blueprints, and yes. if you want to make it yourself, you can. Or if you want to buy one, then companies are allowed to sell this without having to pay a license fee yeah. on the designs. And you can contribute changes back to the hardware and that kind of thing. Um, this, I, is, yeah. this is a really cool thing that the framework laptop company are yes. doing as well. Mm. Uh, so if you don't know about framework, then you should. Um, this stream is running they, off. Of a framework. No, that, that's a MacBook. No, that's, that's a MacBook. MacBook. There okay. is a framework. Oh, there's, there's a framework here, right? A framework 13. I yeah. am in the um, batch one pre-orders ah. of the framework 16. So the, the framework. Um, let me just show you what, what makes it interesting. So it's a 13-inch laptop that you can take apart, and uh, all of the expansion ports. 
they actually pop out so I can remove the USB ports and you get these little things. Yeah. Which, it's that camera, isn't it? It's one of them. That yeah. one. Yeah, there we go. Um, and so I, I got into the room this morning and my HDMI, HDMI port was on the wrong side of the lectern. So I popped it out and I moved it. Yes. Um, so and the, yeah. the cool thing, so, uh, but also you can, you can open the laptop up and uh, you can, it, it uses actual SO DIMMs for memory instead of soldered memory. So you can upgrade the memory. Uh, you can upgrade the SSD. You can replace the battery. It's actually yeah. designed. Not only can you replace the battery, there's a QR code on the battery, which will take you to the webpage on the framework site to order a replacement battery. Star Labs, I've got a Star Labs laptop. You can replace the same, battery. In the yeah, same sort of thing. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to do um, that. With the framework. Yeah. And, uh, and this was one of those things where you had to buy into the vision before there was any guarantee that the company was going to follow through. But they said it's going to be possible to upgrade the motherboard, the mainboard, and the CPU. And so the Framework 13 launched with an 11th gen Intel. Yeah. Yep. You can now upgrade that to 14th gen Intel, or exact the same laptop, the same everything. You can take the Intel mainboard out, and you can put an AMD mainboard in, and it will still work. Yeah. The Framework 16, exactly the same ethos, all of this, uh, except now the keyboard is movable around. So you can either have the keyboard can be over on one side and then you can have a numpad, or you can have an RGB macro pad, or you can put it centrally and have just blank spaces on either side. And the trackpad, which goes on the bottom, you can move that from side to side as well, so it lines up with the keyboard. And these aren't like configuration options that you have to choose when it gets made. You can change these whenever you want. You can want. change them whenever yeah. you want. You can order. If I there's there's also an LED matrix option for the spacers, which is yeah. one of those things. It's like a hundred dollars, and you're probably going to use it once and then go. That was fun. Um, <laughs> but it comes with a GPU slot. So you can oh, yeah, in the back you, you can, can order yeah. it with the GPU, and then next year when Radeon AMD release the next version of the GPU, you can buy that, and you can and you can chunk. And you know the main thing on the forums at the moment is when's Nvidia going because I want uh, DLSS or whatever it is. Um, but uh, what framework have done? Other companies, Dell in the past, I think Alienware. And I went, oh, it's a laptop with an upgradable GPU, and then never released yeah. an actual upgrade module for it. But Framework have not only demonstrated that they are going to follow through because they've done it with the 13, mm -hmm. but they have also put the schematics and the pinouts and, and everything mm -hmm. you need to make an expansion port that plugs in to, to where Dylan showed the thing there, yeah. or to make your own GPU accessory or something that adds extra SSDs or another battery or whatever. And they're not talking about charging any licensing or, yeah. or like an app store fee or anything like that. It's just, hey, if you've got the technical chops to build something from them uh, a couple months ago saying, we found a potential issue with the HDMI adapter on our laptops that sometimes it won't recover after the laptop awakes from sleep mode. Um, an update's in the works, but if you want to do it yourself and you're good with a soldering iron, here are the instructions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I saw the instructions. Yeah. That is 
And then yeah. a level of soldering that I don't feel comfortable I mean, that, doing. First, you've got to get an angle grinder to sharpen your soldering iron. Um, the hack that I'm waiting to see, because I'm sure someone's going to do this with the 16, is once you put the keyboard in the middle, you get a gap in the side, which you can't really speak as a, but I know that somebody out there must be reverse engineering the schematic for a throttle and joystick. Oh, <laughs> just close in, and I'm like, yay, flight simulator on my laptop. And you just know that they're going to do that, and then they're going to take it on an airplane and pretend they're flying the actual <laughs> plane. So, I, I cannot solve that. <coughs> um, I used to solder RS-232 cables yeah. in 1990. And I, but that's easy, like the, the exactly. pins are far that apart. Was, and the wires were like sort of a millimeter thick. Yeah. That was the limit of my soldering skill. So at some point, I'm going to be turning up at somebody's house um, with a base in one hand and a new set of pickups in the other going, boom. No, so if, then, you, if you could do RS-232 cables, then that's fine enough for a guitar soldering skills. So I can do pickups. Sure, okay. no problem. Professional guitar builder. Yeah. After no, not professional, like <laughs> amateur. You don't know about soldering. I do sell them though. Yeah. Yeah. Is yeah. cheap soldering irons are rubbish. Um, yeah. If you have a cheap iron, nothing works and it doesn't melt and you fry your components. So I bought a soldering station. I was like, oh, Ooh. now it looks like it does in the YouTube videos. But even like like a sixty euro soldering station is is a tremendous upgrade from yeah. like the twenty euro soldering iron stick thingies. Yeah. Like like get get it like a Velamount or whatever for for fifty sixty euros. It, it'll be next. Yes. Yeah. Oh, have you ever like worked with a gas powered soldering iron? Yes. That's nice level. Isn't that's that, a, isn't that a welding torch? No. So I have one which has a tiny brazing torch. You can take the tip off. So it's got a gas burner in it, which is how it gets the heat. So you refill it with like a lighter fuel. Yeah. And then you can use it to heat a soldering tip, or it's got a tiny little blowtorch attachment, which you can use to burn. But it is heat sucked really, 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 really quick. Yeah. So if you need to make a soldering connection that where you get in, in and out real quick, like yeah. a gas powered one, is, is fantastic. Whereas that, I don't know, that's just gone into my head now. And now I just want to go and play with Dylan's thing and make small. <laughs> It's like an hour per small. Well, that's all I get around to that side. This side's going to have gone cold. Well, yeah. No, everyone needs a hobby. Yes, they do. Some people want. I need fewer. I have too many hobbies. I, my to do list now exceeds my life expectancy by a factor of three. Hmm. But, you know, once I have this whole list of things, I think, ah, oh, I'm going to do that. And uh, you reach, I think, a, a point of, uh, of self awareness where when you read on the internet that somebody has done one of your ideas, you don't feel jealousy, you feel relief. Yes. But now you don't need to worry about that thing anymore. Someone has solved Oh, that. someone really needs to do, when, when they get augmented reality working, I keep talking about the, um, I want to do a thing where you draw out a route on the map and then it puts coins along it to <laughs> you run. Oh my gosh, um, yes. I'm never gonna do that. So and I just keep throwing the idea out there when I'm doing talks and they go, please somebody, do this. please somebody do this yeah. because it's so obvious. Do you worry that people great. hear you say that and go, well, I can't do that because it's this idea? Um, no, I, this idea is now under the like, MIT license, public domain. Anyone who wants to can do that because I've got to be, I'm not going to do it. Um, but, but you want it to exist. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing, which is even more difficult, uh, than that, and I will never ever be able to do it because this is like put a team of 
artists and animators and AI people and all this sort of stuff. But I want Siri to be replaced with essentially the demons from his Dark Materials. So I want Siri embodied yep. in a weasel that just <laughs> follows me around everywhere. Yeah. And, and I can talk to my weasel and yep. people will think I'm mad. Like those, those books are incredible and they're so creative and they've got very sort of compelling ideas about theology or whatever. Yeah. But they are powered by, wouldn't it be great if there was just a little animal that was your friend and yes, loved yeah. you and wanted to go on a And the thing I think would be really nice about it is, you know, is that, let's say it's Apple. Apple have made um, version two of the Vision Pro. By the way, if anyone out there has, has got their Vision Pro this week, I'm, I'm a little bit jealous, but also, yeah. But also three um, and a half grand richer. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I no, less poor. Less poor, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, if I, like, if we were just sat here now, um, but we're all wearing the kind of augmented reality glasses, and because, you know, I've kind of told the, the operating system, these are my friends, you would be able to see. Yeah, my weasel. This has gone really, <laughs> but yeah, you'd be able to see the the demons of yeah. people who had given you that permission. Yeah, and so, and then like if you came around and your we demon and my demon could be playing of, together, we could invent all kinds of new social faux pas. Yes, ways of, yes. Ways of being really uh, and we could, we could Pokemon battle with them. Oh. <laughs> Now you're cooking see, see, there's a whole thing here. This is, people think, oh, what's the visual spatial operating system paradigm? This is it. Cute, fluffy animals. You yeah. Instead, what the, the, instead of, you know, oh, we're going we're gonna to get lucid dreaming on command so that you can do more work while you sleep. It's like, no, I want lucid dreaming so I can pretend to be Super Mario and fly around. And yeah. It's got the hat with it. The so there's an, an angle I haven't heard anyone talk about yet. People talk about, you know, virtual reality where you completely replace what you're doing with an immersive world. People talk about augmenting reality. Mm. Um, I want whatever, what's the opposite of augment as a word? Diminish? Uh, diminished reality. I want to be able to get on a train wearing my goggles <laughs> and when the drunk guy with the six cans of lager gets on and starts singing songs, I just want to erase him. Like, I'm fine. I want to look out the window. I want to see when the buffet car comes through. I don't want to miss my stop. But that guy, I don't want to see him, hear him, smell him. I want to be able to just wipe you want, him out. You want a and real life mute function. If, if I have to do that by replacing him with a weasel, then I'm all right with that. Have you, know? you seen the Black Mirror Christmas special? With the pixelated people blocking each other with in real life. Blocking no. each other in Right, it's, so it's I mean, like a for a moment, just appreciate the. Fact I mean, I'm slightly that, like, how is there more Black Mirror? And nobody told me. Yes, no, it's, 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 it was it's like not, at the end of the first season. Yeah, it's old. It a long time ago. And uh, it's about. And um, it's got John Hamm and uh, what's his face? Um, yes, that, what's that his face? YouTube, like. let us know in the comments. Basically, both of them have to be uh, far too big to appear on Black Mirror. Mm. But yes, I mean, for, take a moment to appreciate Black Mirror, the darkest. Yes. Of doing a Christmas special. Uh, I mean, it was really bleak. In it was really very, very bleak. Um, but in Black Mirror and in the extended universe, the way augmented reality works is through this thing called Z-Eyes, I think they call them. Mm. Uh, so you have your eyes removed at some point when you are young and replaced with electronic ones. Uh, and Did they have paywalling for certain features in They that? had paywalling for certain features. Because that's absolutely, I mean, um, that it already happens with implants for various, yeah. you know. The, and there's an episode the where people are kind of grating everybody just in their day-to-day -day interactions. Oh, that person got in my way, I'm going to down, downvote them. 
but you can see their score above their head and it's just terrifying. Oh, that wasn't the one where, yeah, he blocks, he, he's blocked by his ex-wife and that's, kids. Yes, so yeah. there's this guy and uh, yeah, his, his partner uh, blocks him over an argument about whether to keep a baby or not. Um, and yeah, I mean, I won't spoil it. It's it is like a lot of Black Mirror. Uh, episodes, it's, so it's, yeah. yeah, I'll still oh. never get over the first episode of Black Mirror successfully predicting an event in UK politics. Oh, yes, the pig. The yeah, pig. The pig. Yeah. You know that that scandal broke on my birthday. It was the best birthday. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Up. There was an actual scandal like that. That David Cameron. Yeah, David Cameron. Um, just look up Piggate. Google okay. it on your own time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like not on the working laptop. I mean, it's it's political history, but <laughs> there is a point where you enter the murky gray area of, in the one sense, it is not safe for work, but on the other hand, it's a documented account of something performed by the man who went on to become the prime minister of the United Kingdom, and now the yes. Secretary of State, but no, foreign now the Foreign Secretary. Secretary. Yeah. So, um, um, so I don't even do know great. what a work laptop is for anymore. What a world we live in. Help. <laughs> <laughs> Right, we are almost but like time, bionic, friends. Bionic, yes. I am great. Like, like. But let's hope they're open to us. Yes. Yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't want to have, I don't want to run out of money in my Amazon account and stop being able to see. There was a, a panel um, at a, like, you know, augmented cybernetics conference a few years ago. And they they had a bunch of, you know, the kind of people who are like, they put a chip in their hand and then yeah. the next step is, you know, implants and um, I'm going to have my arm removed and replaced with a robot arm. And they tried to find a surgeon to appear on the panel. And the yeah. surgeons were like, this is unhinged. Yes. Like the idea that anybody would ever voluntarily remove a limb to replace it because they think a robotic one is better yeah. is so far beyond anything you know get any of these people to spend one week in my ward watching people recovering from relatively minor surgery and if they still think this is a good idea you should have them committed we are not even going to endorse this by being the opposing voice on your panel go away yeah the chip is literally like a business card right uh, yeah, that's, yeah. that's all the oh, chip yeah, the, does the guy who did the oyster card um, chip in his yeah. hand and yeah. he was like um, paying by but elon musk's company has started human trials neuralink They've started human trials. They, have, they have killed, I think, more monkeys in clinical trials than any other, than, than a certain number combined. Like, yes. They have been unprecedentedly, like, evil I mean, I, I about think it, it in ways that... Than if you did a study to see how many monkeys you could kill. Yeah, and, and animal trials are so tightly controlled. Yeah. They, it, it's it's incredible how much you should absolutely never let Elon Musk touch your brain. Like, do Yeah, it. yeah, no. Just touch just I have no intention of ever letting Elon Musk touch my brain. Yep. Yes, and don't yes. let him drive your car. No. And so don't buy any of his cars. Well, no. So the thing is, if you buy his cars and drive them himself, it gives him more money, which gives him more money to spend on rockets, which increases the chance that he will just soft to Mars. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then we'll be shot of him. Now we just sneak it. It also gives him more sleep. money to do all the other unethical things. And yeah. Put a headset on him that makes him think he's on Mars. And just lock the door. If he gets to Mars first, he's just going to rename it to X. Yes. <laughs> but then when nobody else follows him there, it won't matter. Yes. Mercury, <laughs> Venus, Earth, X, Saturn, Jupiter. <laughs> right. Yes. Okay. On Let's, that note, we'll stop it there because we actually do have things to do and people to see. Thank you for tuning in, folks. Thank you for listening. 
Thank uh, you for sharing, and uh, we'll be back same time next week. Yeah. Take care. Bye-bye. My wonder is